Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Good morning. My name is Pastor Brad. Uh, If this is your first time here, we're so glad that you're here today. Uh, We plan for you to be here, and we're just, uh, we hope that you've enjoyed your experience so far. I'm the worship arts pastor here at New Life, and I have the great privilege uh, and honor of uh, sharing the Word of God with you this morning, and I'm so looking forward to that. Uh, We're in part four of a seven-part series called The Time of Your Life. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but there are three primary areas in our lives where we all have resource. The first is the area of finances. We all have some kind of resource financially, be it great or small. We all have a resource with talents and abilities, those things that we're good at, we're gifted to do. And we all have resource when it comes to time. Now, the the interesting thing about resource is this, that with finances, some people have uh, the ability or have the gift to have a lot of resource, have a lot of financial resource, a lot of uh, ability to make money, and, and other people uh, don't have so much ability to make money or resource in, in that area of finances. Other people, it seems like they have just a ton of gifts, right? And, and you know this, you've seen people who uh, are really good at music and really good at finance, uh, or, or maybe they're really good at drawing, or maybe they're really good with relationships, or whatever it is, or maybe they're good at everything and you just hate them, you know? There are people who just seem like they, they have these gifts, but here's the thing, we all have gifts. Some people have a lot of resource in the area of talents and gifts. Other people have less. But when it comes to time, Time's a very unique thing because we all have the same amount of resource when it comes to time. All of us have 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year until our time is up. Now, the scripture makes very, very clear that because we have, all have this same amount of resource called time, that we need to use it very, very wisely here on the earth. In fact, God tells us that we need to use it wisely. He, uh, he inspired a man by the name of the Apostle Paul, Apostle Apostle Paul was writing a letter to a church in Ephesus, and as he was writing this letter, he wrote some very important words when it comes to time. Here's what he said. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And then here it is, making the best use of the, everybody say it, time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You see, Paul admonishes us to use our time wisely, because these days, they're, they're messed up. And God has a plan for everybody to know him and to be restored by him. And so Paul says, use these, use these days wisely. But here's the problem. Most of us don't understand or don't quite know how to use our time wisely. We don't, we don't know that next step that we should take. In fact, that's why we're doing this series. We're doing this series because what we have found is that in the Scripture, there are seven key principles that we, when we apply them to our life or when we filter our life through them, that we can make the most of our time. In fact, in a different translation, that Scripture says, redeeming the time. So in other words, these seven principles, when we filter our lives through these things, we can then reclaim the time of our life. Instead of running from thing to thing without thinking or even, you know, looking at what's coming next, we just, you know, kind of running from thing to thing, it's chaotic. Instead of that, we filter our lives through these, these seven things, and when we do that, we can actually uh, make 
an impact for the kingdom of God here on the earth. But here's the deal. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus in here today, if you apply these seven principles to your life, your life will get better too. And here's why. God created everything. He knows how everything should run. And so when he teaches us how to live our lives, things get better. It's an amazing thing. But if you are a believer in here today, this is so incredibly important for us to learn how to use our time so that we can make an impact for the kingdom of God. And it's just an incredible thing that God's done. So we're looking at these seven areas. So this is your first time here. You have no idea what those areas are. Maybe you just need to review them. I'm going to share them with you right now. Here they are in order. Number one, rest, prayer, physical care, relationships, Bible study, work, and finances. So when we filter our lives through these seven principles that come straight from the Bible, when we filter our lives through these seven principles, our lives begin to be better and we can make a greater impact for God. So the first week we talked about rest and rest is number one for a reason because rest touches every other area that we will talk about through this series, right? In fact, Pastor Chris said that we must rest to be our best, right? We must rest to be our best. And that, ju- that doesn't just include just being rested. That includes physically. That includes emotionally. That includes our intellect. That includes so many things. I mean, think about that. When you're rested, don't you perform better in all areas of your life? Don't you think more clearly? Right? I know I do. Now, in college, I didn't. I didn't. In college, I, I, I didn't even think about rest because I thought in college you just studied all the time. Right? You thought I was going to say party, but I didn't. <laughs> Never been to a party. Okay. I know. I'm uncool. Okay. So anyway, so, so, so like you study, you, you practice. I was a music major. Okay. So practice was a big deal, right? And so at the, at the very end of the semester, we had this thing called a jury. And a jury was, well, it just sounds horrible, doesn't it? So like you, you sit in front of your music professors and they adjudicate you to see how well you've improved from, you know, the time that you first came and really throughout that semester. So it's a terrifying experience. So I thought that, you know, putting in a ton of time, doing all those kinds of things is what would, would be the best for me. But looking back now, I realized that all of that time I practiced and all of that time I studied and all those things, I didn't rest well. And if I would have rested better after been through this series, if I would have filtered my life through this, I would have understood that if I could have rested better, I could have probably practiced a whole lot better. And I probably could have learned a whole lot better because I could think clearly. So rest impacts our lives in all areas. All right, so then that was the first week. The second week we talked about prayer. And Pastor Chris said something very, very important. In fact, I want to read it to you. It'll be up on the screen as well. This is such an important thing about prayer. Here's what he said. Prayer means wherever we go or whatever we do, God is with us. Indeed, if we are Jesus followers, God is in us. He desires to communicate with us, to cooperate with us in his plan for each of us and for all humanity through his son, Jesus Christ, by means of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, what that means is this, that we have the opportunity at any point to go to God in prayer and ask him for his help and his direction. No matter what we're facing in our life, no matter what's happening We can go to God and say, God, I need your leadership here. I need your direction here. And the incredible thing is a lot of times God will bring somebody into your life or he'll show you a verse of scripture and and just bring kind of this life to your heart because we pray. And, And sometimes we pray things as practically as, God, what would you have me do today? Would you have me talk to this person? Would you have me give here? Would you have me, uh, you know, go and help this person? Whatever it is. 
When we pray, when we're constantly thinking about our relationship with God and communicating with Him, then He can lead us. Okay, so that was the second week. Then last week, we talked about physical care. And Pastor Chris said something very important about that as well. And here's what he said. Listen to this first line. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. It's an incredible thing. In fact, the scripture tells us that. He went on. In Jesus' day, there was a temple in Jerusalem. In that temple was a special place known as the Holy of Holies. The Jews believed God was present there. We're told at the moment Jesus died on the cross, the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That rending of the curtain symbolized God's presence being available to all people, not just the Jews, not just those who made a pilgrimage to the, to the temple in Jerusalem, but to everyone who trusts in Jesus. Paul recognized the implications of this reality once the Holy Spirit was given to each believer on the first Christian Pentecost and then to each person who trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord after that. If the Holy Spirit lives in you and me, Pastor Chris said, then our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit and the dwelling place of the living God. Paul made a further point. He said this, this is the scripture. So, you must honor God with your body. And that's what Pastor Chris shared, and we looked at that. And in fact, I want to encourage you, if you missed that message, to go online to newlifexn.org, watch that video, watch any of the other ones that you missed, because these principles that we're learning will help us reclaim the time of our lives. Think about that. If we're better rested, we can act more clearly. We can think more clearly. We can get things done quicker. When we pray and we ask God's direction, we avoid a lot of, you know, uh, I guess, accidents or things in our lives that, that shouldn't be there, right? When we take care of our bodies, we can uh, then have the energy to do what we need to do for the kingdom of God. And today, we're going to talk about another one, and this one's kind of a big one, okay? Relationships. Relationships. How many of you need help with relationships? Put your hand up. Okay, if you're married and didn't put your hand up, you just lied. You liar. You're a liar. All right? We all need help, okay? It doesn't matter if you're married or not. You could be a teenager. You could be whoever you are. We all need help with relationships. And here's the deal. I knew I needed help with relationships even from the time I was a young guy, okay? Young kid even. I had a best friend. His name was Jimmy, okay? Some of you have heard me talk about Jimmy. I promise you he's real, okay? He's coming here someday. And, and when he comes here, I'll show him to you, okay? Because he's a real person. So Jimmy, he made me do a lot of bad things, okay? Jimmy was my best friend, and, and since the time I can remember, he had a phrase that uh, made me want to kill him. Um, and here it is, okay? The phrase is this. Maybe if somebody says this to, to you in your life, I feel you, okay? He says, fine then, be that way. Anybody experience that? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I've never heard anybody else say that, okay? Fine then, be that way. Fine then, be that way. Okay, so, so anytime Jimmy would say that, I was ready to punch him, okay? Seriously, I really, I really, there were some times when I would be walking across the road and say, Jimmy, I don't want to do that. And he'd be like, fine then, be that way. You know, and he'd walk backwards all, you know, like this. And I don't know, he was a boy too. <laughs> In my mind, he's always been huge. But, but uh, he was just a boy, but he would do that, you know, cocky walk back. And, and I was like, I just want to level him right now, right? But that's the moment that I knew I need help with relationships because I know you're not supposed to punch people you don't like, Okay? And I'm not, you shouldn't do that, all right, either. No matter where you are, you should never hurt people that you don't like or get along with, okay? And Jimmy was my best friend, so, uh, so even the people you do like sometimes can get on your nerves. But we all need help with 
relationships. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the scripture, Luke chapter 10. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to get it out um, because there's some things in here today that we're going to learn. If you have a phone, I would encourage you to get that out, navigate to your favorite Bible app. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 25 and we're going to read verses 25 through 37. And in this, we're going to see Jesus teaching a group of Jewish men uh, who had brought a question to him. And then he uses a story to clarify another question that came after the initial question. So here's what we read in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If the bill runs higher, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we can know how to live our lives that we might reclaim the time that you've given to us and use it for you and your glory and your purpose. And I pray that today, God, you'd speak to our hearts about how we can have healthy, life-giving relationships in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Jesus tells a story, and in this story, he gives an example of what it means, what it looks like to have good relationships with other people. Okay, and he uses three people, right, and, and a, a hurt man. And the hurt man's laying on the side of the road, and three people come along. The first man was a, a man that the Jewish people that Jesus was speaking to would have held in high esteem. It was a priest. I mean, it was, priests were like, well, they didn't have Jesus yet. So priest was like Jesus to them, all right? So it was like God, priest, everybody else. So a priest would have been a good person to these Jewish people that Jesus was talking to. And the priest came down the road and surely seeing this man, you know, they probably would have helped him. But no, he passed on the other side of the road. And then came along another young man who was a part of the temple. He was a temple assistant, so he probably knew the priest and was maybe working with him. And as he came down the road, he actually went over to the person and looked at him and went, eh, and went the other way, right? So he made a decision. He walked over, looked at him and said, I'm not going to help this guy. Walked the other way. And then came along this person known as a Samaritan. And Jesus used the word despised Samaritan very intentionally. Samaritans were considered by the Jewish people to be dogs of people, right? They considered them to be dogs, and here's why. All the way back from the time when the, the Israelite kingdom split up into two, the northern kingdom worshipped idols, and that's where the Samaritans came from. 
That's where they, they uh, were born and where their territory was. And so they worshiped these idols. And, and then eventually they began to intermarry with uh, different nations. And so what the Jewish people in the southern kingdom began to call the people up in the northern kingdom were half-breeds. They despised Samaritans. And yet Jesus uses this person, that these, these people that Jesus is talking to right now, this would have been a smack in their face. A Samaritan's walking down the road and he sees this man laying on the side of the road and he comes over and he felt compassion and he helped the person. Not only did he help the person, he helped him get back to safety, bandage his wounds, get back to safety, and then he promised to take care of the person until he was completely well. It's an incredible story of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus used it to explain who our neighbors are and how we should respond when it comes to relationships. But you see, the one thing that the Samaritan had going for him was that he was focused on something other than himself. And that's what Jesus pointed to when he asked the lawyer to give his answer. Look at what the lawyer said. Let's look at that together. He said this, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? That's a great question. We all need to know the answer to that question, right? And Jesus said, well, what does the law of Moses say and how do you read it? And then the man said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus enthusiastically affirmed the man's answer. He said, right, do this and you will live. Then we see the man's response. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So, in this conversation, the man's concerned about eternal life, but what Jesus is pointing to is that really what eternal life is, is really one thing, loving God with everything that you are, and then loving others out of the overflow. And so if we want to have good, healthy, life-giving relationships here on the earth, this is the example. The first thing we need to do is we need to love God with everything that we are and then love others out of the overflow. In fact, that's our take-home point for today. Our take-home point says this. A relationship with God that is right leads to relationships with others that are tight. Okay, and as you know, all of, the, all of these take-home points in this series are rhyming. Okay, because it helps us remember, right? And, and I, I'm, I honestly, I came this close to rapping that for you, Okay. Jimmy got me hooked on to rap, which doesn't make any sense because we were two white boys that really lived in the kind of the country, you know, so, but we loved rap music, so, so I was this close, y'all, but I didn't do it, okay, so I saved you from that, but here's the deal, a right relationship with God leads to relationships with others that are good, healthy, and life-giving, and that's what Jesus was alluding to when he was asked, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Jesus told the story. But first, he points out in Luke 10, 27, through the man's answer, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So if we have to love God first, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, I want to share with you what that looks like. It's very clear. God told us what that looks like. It means this. We put our faith and our trust in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. That's the very first step to having a right relationship with God. Because here's the deal. We're born into this world separated from God because of sin. 
All right, so sin has separated us from God. That means when God sees us, he can't welcome us into his presence because he sees sin and he's holy, so he has to judge that. And so what God did is he sent his son Jesus here to the earth to live a life that we couldn't live. Jesus came here, lived a life, never sinned once. And yet he was crucified on the cross. And on that cross, the scripture tells us he took on our sin. He took on all the stupid things that we do on that cross. And he died for us in our place. It should have been us. It was him. So he died there. Three, he was buried. Three days later, he was raised back to life again by the power of God. And then, I love this scripture. In John 1, 12, this is incredible. John says that when we believe in Jesus, that means when we put our faith and our trust in him, here's the incredible thing. God gives us the right to become children of him. God gives us the right to become his children. That means that now we can be welcomed into his family. And here's the amazing thing. When we're welcomed into his family, then we can be in relationship with him. And being in a relationship with God is exactly like being in a relationship with anybody else. That's why this, in this man's answer, and in Jesus actually said it explicitly in another gospel, when we love God with all of our heart, our soul, our strength, and our mind, those are four very specific things that all of us use to love other people, right? Our heart is where the seat of our will is. That means that when we love people or when we are in relationship with people, we are yielding our will to them and we're caring for them. And we're, we're, li we're living with them. We're doing whatever life that we have with them, right? So that's our heart. Then he says the soul. What's in the soul? The soul is the emotion, right? And in our emotions, we're loving people. We're hating people like I hated Jimmy sometimes, you know? That's where our emotions are. So we, we love people with our emotions, with our soul. We love people with our minds, right? We want to help them understand how to do things so that they don't get hurt like we did or so they can avoid things like we're avoiding them. And we love people with our strength, right? You give people hugs that you like or you love or, you know, you, uh, you kiss your spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it is. There's that physical part of a relationship. Even just being present with somebody physically makes all the difference sometimes. So in that relationship, in a human relationship, those things translate into our relationship with God. God has called us to love Him the same way. To yield our will to His. To love Him with, let Him move us emotionally and be loved by Him and experience that. And He's called us to think rightly about Him. That's called theology. Good theology. Right theology, thinking correctly about him and the way that he works here on the earth with us. And then finally, with our strength. Now, of all of those things, all of us probably do a good job, just like the priest did, just like the temple assistant did. Probably do a great job with our, you know, sometimes we yield our, our wills to him. Sometimes we love him and be loved by him. And, and, and a lot of times we think rightly about God and we want to do that. But where we lack most of the time is in the strength part. Because in the strength part, that means we actually go and do something, right? And so we love God with everything we are, and we can do that, but then we actually have to act on it. We have to go do something. That's what it means to be physical in our relationship with God. We're going to follow him. We're going to allow him to do it. And what did he say? He explicitly says that we need to go and love others as we love ourselves. So putting God first in our lives gives us clarity on how to love others well. It's just an incredible thing that God would take the time to show us how to do that.
by loving God and letting him love us, we can then love others well. Because you see, here's the thing that the Samaritan did. The Samaritan saw a person who was hurt and knew that the decision he was about to make was a messy decision. Because here's the deal about relationships. It doesn't matter what relationship you get into. Friend, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, co-worker, whatever. At some point, it's going to get messy. If you hang around them long enough, your relationships are going to get messy. But here's the deal. Here's what God calls us to do. Walk toward the mess. God has called us to walk toward the mess and not be afraid of it. Because here's the deal. That's exactly what he did for us. I don't know about you, but in my relationship with Jesus, it's been pretty messed up sometimes. And yet he still loves me unconditionally, forgives me. But here's the point. God doesn't want us to stay there. You see, how do you have a right relationship with God? You trust him as Lord and Savior. You welcome him into your life, but you don't stop there. And see, so many followers of Jesus, we, we think, you know, we're welcomed into God's family, and that's great, and, and we're content with that. But God's calling us, don't be content where you are. Your life's a mess. Let God begin to bring order to it in certain areas that you might really redeem the time, reclaim the time, that you might make the greatest impact here on the earth. That's what this series is all about. That's what today is all about. Because of all of these seven areas, there are a couple of these areas where time just gets poured into them, and this is one of them. When you have a bad relationship and it's a burden, you know, because you're pouring a ton of time into it, and it's hurtful, and it's hard. But what God's saying is when we get right with him and when we allow him to bring order to the mess that is in our lives, then we can walk towards the mess in other people's lives. And that's exactly what the Samaritan did. The priest didn't do it. He avoided the mess. The temple assistant looked at it, made a calculated decision to avoid the mess. And by the way, most of us do that. Most of us, really without even thinking about it, meet somebody and go, I don't think I'm going to invest much more time in this person. Because I know if I do, it's going to require a lot of me. Because it's going to get messy. But you see, what God is showing us is that that's okay. Because we can help others come through the messes we've been through. And others, here's the other, here's the other thing, others can help us get through the messes that we're in right now. We need each other. And we need God to work through other people. And that's the beauty of the church. That's what the church does. We love each other just like Jesus loved us. And we help each other through our messes so that we can bring glory to God. We can reclaim the time of our lives. So relationship with God that is right will lead to relationships with others that are tight. Because we live out of the overflow. Here's an incredible thing that really God has really been impressing on my heart. Uh, it was in a book that I have been reading recently. And, it, and it's this, that our doing will never exceed our being. Our doing will never exceed our being. You see, I don't know if you're like me at all, but I get these kind of big picture things in, our, in my head. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that someday. And that's going to be really awesome. You know, and then I realize that there are some pretty serious steps that you have to take to get there. And they're hard. And they're challenging, just like relationships. 
But if we want to get where we want to be, we're going to have to go through those things. And then we have to allow God to form us and shape us because that's our being. And out of our being flows our doing. And the same is true in relationships. We love others out of the overflow of our relationship with God. So if you want healthy, life-giving relationships, which I think we all do, if you want healthy, life-giving relationships, listen, I'm not saying they're going to be easy. I'm not saying this is going to, you know, you're going to go home and you're going to get right with God and, and you're going to go out and, and try to walk towards somebody's mess and not get hurt. No, you're still going to get hurt, okay? But God is going to be there, right there with you, helping you help them. Because we live and we love others out of the overflow of our relationship with God. So here's the commitment for today. It says this, I will tighten my relationship with others this week by spending time daily with God. So in other words, we're going to spend time daily with God so that we can allow Him to change who we are so that we can actually go out and love people in the strength that we're called to love God. We are going to love people. First, we have to get right with God every day. Sometimes every hour, some, some days, you know, every minute, it seems like, in order to love other people well. And I want to share with you three specific areas, very practically, that all of us experience. And I want to present three questions, and I'll give you an answer for each of them. But for, the, for each of these questions, I want you to think of an answer practically of how you can do this. Okay, first, those with whom you live. Okay, where you live, where you live. Here's the question you need to ask. How can you serve those with whom you live? How can you serve them? I use that word very intentionally. Because Jesus said he came here not to serve, but not, not to be served rather, but to serve. And I think so many times when it comes to the people we live with and with our family, if you live with a family or the pe whoever it is that you're living with at the time, how can you serve them? Because that's what Jesus did. And we need to follow Jesus' example if we're followers of Jesus. Because if we do, we're going to experience an incredible just growth in that relationship. Because everything that we do is born out of the seabed of who we are. Okay, so how can you serve those with whom you live? Second, where you work. How can you show God's love with those uh, with whom you work? How can you show God's love to those with whom you work? And I know this can be really challenging sometimes. But how can you show love to them? How can you care for them? How can you show Jesus to them? And then the third one is where you play. That is where you have fun, where you hang out. Or just in other words, your friendships, okay? And here's a really great question. How can you open yourself to friends and form deep, meaningful relationships? How can you open yourself to friends and form deep, meaningful relationships? Okay, and listen, here's the deal. As adults, we're really bad at this for the most part. Some of you are really good at it. That's kind of part of your gift. But for the most part, adults are, are pretty bad at it. We're not bad when we're teenagers. We don't have a problem sharing our problems, right? At least I didn't. You know, I like sharing my problems, and, and it was fine. But then you get into college, and you're kind of taught, like, you know, don't say those things. You know, act tough. Get through this. You, you, you buck up and do it, right? And then you get into the world, and you start getting slammed with, hey, i got to pay this bill. <laughs> it's real out here, you know? And so all of a sudden, all this stuff that you go through, you start to pack up, and you start to press down into your, into your being, right? And forming deep, meaningful relationships becomes like a, I'm not going to do that. But the reality is that if we don't do that, we're going to suffer greatly. We need each other. I'm not saying you need 10, 20, 30 people that you need to you know, be 
They know everything about you. Okay, I'm not saying that, but you need a few who really know you and can love you like Jesus loves you. Okay, so how can you do that with those uh, whom you spend time with and who you, who you hang out with, who you would call friends? All right, so, so all of this kind of comes down to this, area, this answer. Okay, how can we do all of these things? Well, the first thing is put God first. Put God first and realize that our lives are messed up and he's bringing order to those things. Second, put yourself next, okay? And then love others. So God first, yourself second, and then others. Okay, just out of curiosity, how many of you think I have that wrong? How many of you think it should be God, others, yourself? Okay, don't be shy. Put your hand up. It's okay. It's all right. Yeah, great. Okay? That's, that's good. I'm glad that you were honest because here's the deal, and here's what I want to show you in the Scripture, okay? I'm not making this up. This isn't some kind of like pop psychology like, hey, this is hip. No, this is, this is from the Word of God, okay? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with everything you are. Okay, that's God first, number one. Then he said, love, the, love your neighbors as yourselves. The implication, you have to love yourself before you can love others. You have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. God first, yourself second, and then others. Because if you don't take care of yourself, eventually you're going to crash and burn, and then what good are you to other people? What good will I be? No good at all. We have to take care of ourselves. Okay? That's the implication there. Love, your, love others as you love yourself. We have to love ourselves. Now, here's the deal. I know that's... That's a touchy subject. It's a message for a different time. But here's the deal. I just want you to know, if you hate yourself, I want you to know, God loves you, he's forgiven you, and he's called you to live this life, loving him and allowing him to love you, and you love others out of that overflow. Okay? Just very seriously. I know that that's a very serious thing. God loves you. He has a plan for you. He's forgiven you. He wants you to live into that. So as we go out of here today, I want to share with you three scriptures to encourage you when it comes to healthy, life-giving relationships. And here they are. The first one from 1 John 4, 19 through 20. This one's pretty punch, kind of a punch in the face if you're a follower of Jesus. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see... How can we love God whom we cannot see? Then Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. So in other words, what Jesus is saying here is loving the Lord your God with everything you are and loving others as yourself, it's, it's wrapped up in do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's a pretty incredible thing. John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus says, A new command I give you. This is incredible. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Notice what Jesus says. Love each other out of your relationship with God. Love one another out of your relationship with God that is loving and caring because he loves you and he wants you to share that with other people. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you loved us enough to come here and die for us. God, I pray that you would just open our hearts 
to your love today. And God, if there are any in here for the very first time who want to say yes to you, their relationships are just amok. God, would you just, would you just be the only relationship they need right now? Would you be their peace, their strength, their hope in this time? God, I pray that you would meet them right where they are in the mess that they're in and that you would begin to bring order just like you did for me and are doing every day as you come to my mess. And God, that they would just trust you as Lord and Savior. And God, for those of us who have, who have said yes to you, I pray that you would help us to allow you to order our, our messy lives and to share that with other people out of the overflow of your love for us that we'll love others. And that you would receive all the glory, God, that, that we would have healthy, life-giving relationships that are not a burden of time, but are investment of time that will bring you glory and honor, that your name and renown will be the desire of all of our hearts with those where we live, where we work, and where we play. In Jesus' name, amen.